Ladies, welcome. We're learning the Tehillim, we're up to chapter Ayin Chet, 78. We learned these classes for the Eilu uh, Neshama of the Tzadeket Le'ah Lili Bat Virgene, Mrs. Lili Medeb Aleh Shalom, project of her son Rafi, the doctor. Uh, <clears throat> to learn a chapter a week or so in order to elevate the soul of uh, his mother. Well, this uh, chapter will elevate uh, all of our souls, actually. It's a long chapter, one of the longest in Tehillim. Uh, it's got uh, over 70 pesukim. So we're not going to be able to uh, veer away from the text. We have to explain all 72 pesukim, so we have a lot of business ahead of us. So let's get started. Maskil. Uh, Maskil, uh, it comes from the word Sechel. Obviously, this is a chapter that's going to teach us a lot of Jewish history. La Asaf, Asaf could be the author. Hazina Ami Torati. So the, uh, the author says, Listen, my nation, to my Torah. Hatu Oznechem Neimrefi. Listen to the, uh, let your ears hearken to the words of my mouth. It's an introduction. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, like a uh, poetic words and a mashal and a parables. I'm going to say over hidot, like um, rhymes and riddles. Mini kedem of the events that took place in yesteryear. And Asher uh, Shamarnu These are things that we heard. We heard already from our ancestors. They were handed down. These are stories that our fathers told to us. Now there's a issue we have to deal with over here. It seems that the chapter is going to tell us stories. And it is. This is a story chapter. Stories that we know already, but just in Tehillim form. So it's a story chapter. So then why in the beginning does the chapter begin? Torati. Now, there's Torah and then there's stories. So make up your mind. Is the, is the chapter going to give us a Torah lesson or is it going to give us story time? And the explanation is, and this is very important, that the stories of the Torah are Torah. It's a lesson. That means, even though when you open up the Havdila storybook, so it's, uh, you know, it's not uh, necessarily, uh, not at all divine or accurate or so, but when the Torah tells you a story, the story has divineness to it. And therefore the Torah, even in its narrative, is uh, teaching us a lesson. And therefore it's true. Azina amit Torati. But you should know Torati is Sipirulan. It's also a Sipur. And the classic example is Megillat Esther. Megillat Esther is a story. It's ten chapters of what happened in the times of Queen Esther and Hashverosh and Haman and Mordechai. But the story of Queen Esther was written Beruah HaKodesh. It's written in divine inspiration. And every single word in Migilat Esther, although it's a story, the Gemara has many, many lessons that we learn from it. So therefore it's not Lehavdil uh, reading uh, Shakespeare or some historical uh, you know, uh, recollection of an event. The stories of the Torah are Torah itself and you must study them with the same uh, seriousness or the same weight as you would learn Something else. That's a big lesson I'm teaching you now, which means you shouldn't think that the narrative parts of the Torah are any less or, or deserve any less analysis than the uh, instructional part of the Torah. Which means when we're learning the mitzvot, because it's technical stuff, mitzvot, we better get every word correctly because it's halakha, but a story, okay, you know, kain and hevel, it's a story, big deal. No, you have to put the same emphasis on every single word and nikudah and every single implication because there's no difference between, it's the same divine God that wrote uh, both, so therefore you have to uh, uh, offer it the same level of analysis. Lo nechached mebenehem ledor aharon. This is saying over here that uh, we are not going to deny from our children uh, what our parents told us. That means our stories are a misorah, it's a heritage, so we give it over. We're going to speak the praises of Hashem, the wonders that He did. 
Vayakom, or Vayakim Edut B'Yaakov. First it says, God gave us the Torah. Edut is the, the laws. And who did he give it to? To Yaakov. The Torah Sam B'Yisrael. And he gave the Torah to Yisrael. Well, it sounds repetition. He gave the Edut to Yaakov, which is the Torah. And he gave the Torah to Yisrael, saying the same thing twice. And from here we learn the famous rabbinical rule of ladies first. Now, there's no rabbinical rule like that, I just made it up. But <laughs> in this sense, there's ladies first. The Torah uh, is telling us over that when God gave us the Torah, He offered it to the ladies first. The ladies received the, uh, a sneak preview of the Torah even before the men. That's why the Pasuk says, Kotomar de Bet Yaakov, Betaged de Bet Yisrael. The Jewish women are called Bet Yaakov, the house of Jacob. And the men are called Israel. So the Pasuk is hinting that to us. Vayakim edut Yaakov. That first God established the edut, the Torah with Yaakov, meaning with the Bet Yaakov, with the ladies. And then the Torah Sam be Israel. And then he gave the Torah to Israel. It just shows us how much uh, credence God puts on the, on the woman. And I guess he felt that uh, without the woman being behind the project called the Matan Torah, uh, it's not going to work. At the end of the day, it's the ladies that uh, drive the husbands and drive the children, and therefore, Bodei Olam gave it to the ladies, uh, to the ladies first. So that's a hint in this pasuk over here. Lema'an yidu dor aharon. We're telling these stories over so the future generations will know. Banim yivaledu the children that they will be born to them. Yakumu visapiru them, and they will tell the stories over to their children. That's the way Judaism works. It's a tradition. I heard it from my grandfather, and he heard it from his father, from his father, and his father, all the way back to Moshe Rabbeinu. And our job is that the way we received it, and parents don't lie to their children, therefore we have to give it over to uh, uh, our children, etc. That's a responsibility to tell stories over to your kids. Friday night table, tell stories about what happened. And here's uh, some of the classics. Vayasimu Belohim Kislam. So this is talking about uh, that the Jewish people... Uh, when we tell the stories over, we teach the kids that they put their faith in God. Kislam is their trust. And it'll cause our children not to praise foreign gods. And will bring them to keeping the mitzvot. So there's value in giving over the tradition. And then it says, And they will not be like their predecessors, Dor Sorero More, a generation that was rebellious. Dor Lohechin Libo, a generation that did not prepare their hearts. Okay, now we start the actual uh, stories that we tell over. So we start in Pasuk Tet. Bene Ephraim. We start telling the story of the children of Ephraim. Now, what is the story of Bene Ephraim? We know there's a tribe called Ephraim. Is there any story that stands out that happened with Bnei Ephraim more than any other tribe? I mean, Bnei Ephraim, what, what, what's going on with them? So that she tells us, she Are you aware of that? The tribe of Ephraim, what we call in English, jumped the gun. We were supposed to leave Egypt when Moshe Rabbeinu told us to leave, but they left 30 years prior. It's not so well known. And they shouldn't have left. Don't ask me why they left. But they left and uh, they got into uh, a war with Palestine and Palestine wiped them out. So that's what the Pasuk is saying. Bene Ephraim, the children of Ephraim, she says, She They trusted their might, and their arrows. They ended up having to run away. And the Pasuk calls it Noshke Rome Keshet. They were, uh, the way he explains it over here, Rome uh, Keshet. They went with the strength of their uh, Keshet, of their bow and arrows. Hafku biyom kirav. But it, it turned against them. And they, uh, uh, they died. The arrows, instead of going against the enemies, it went against them. That's uh, one interpretation of. Uh, how Bnei Ephraim rebelled against God. So this is what the Pasuk Het is saying. Don't be like your forefathers. 
generation of rebels. And who are we talking about? Bene Ephraim, that they didn't listen to the, um, they didn't listen to Moshe Rabbeinu when they left early. The Radak, however, has an alternate interpretation on this pasuk over here. That it says that when the Jewish people, I never knew this till, till today actually, when the Jewish people were in the Midbar for the 40 years, <clears throat> there was a war that broke out between the children of Ephraim and the people of Gat. It seems when we were passing by the Pilishtim area, I don't know, they, maybe they took a right turn and they went to war. And the Pasuk says over here that uh, they lost. And uh, they, uh, the Pasuk says that the Bnei Yisrael were in the Midbar and they had a lot of cattle. And Bnei Ephraim had a lot of cattle as well. And they went into certain areas to graze in the areas of Gat and Ashkelon. And when they wanted to bring their cattle back, uh, the people of God came out and said, you can't take your cattle back, it's on our land, and they killed them. So that's referring to that, uh, to that situation. There's the third explanation of what B'nai Ephraim is talking about, and that is when we're talking about the Mishkan Shiloh. There was a Mishkan in the times of Yoshua. I don't know if anybody went to Shiloh, you can go see it today. And there was a Mishkan over there, and then there was a war that we went out to fight, against Pilishtim, and we took the, uh, the ark with us to war, and the Pilishtim captured the ark, and they took it into captivity. And this is considered the war of Ephraim, because the Mishkan is in the uh, Nahala, in the tribal area of Yosef. And Yosef is the father of Ephraim, so it's referring to that war that we lost against Pilishtim. So pick your, uh, pick your, pick your war. Either it's Ephraim left early in Egypt, Either it's Ephraim in that story in the Midbar that they went off and got into a fight with uh, B'nai Gad, or it's a story of Mishkan Shiloh, which is in the Chalik of Ephraim, when they went to war against Pilishtim. Lo shameru berit Elohim. Regardless, they did not follow the covenant that God gave them, which is the Torah. And they refused to follow in the Torah. They... Uh, forgot uh, the, um, uh, all the different wonders, miracles that Hashem did, and all the miracles that Hashem did in Egypt. And what were those? But Olam made wonders for us, and uh, this is referring to uh, all the miracles that uh, he promised Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And here it says, Neged Avotam, the miracles in Egypt were done in front of the fathers. As far as I know, the fathers were not there. Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov died already. But the Hachamim teach us over here that actually God brought them down to witness it uh, in real time. I'll give you an example. When the Jewish people crossed the sea, it says, Bayad Yisrael And Yisrael saw the outstretched hand of God. Who's Yisrael? Yaakov Abinu. So it says, Yaakov Avinu came down, because God promised Yaakov, I'm going to take your children down, and I'm going to redeem them. So God had to make good. So it says, Yaakov, I, I promise you that they're going to leave, come down. So, Yisrael, that's Yisrael Sabah, that's Yisrael, our, our grandfather. So that's the person who's saying, in front of the Avot, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made these miracles. If you look at Nashi, by the way, he says it. I don't know if you have the Rashi in front of you. Neged Avotam, Avraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Ba'u alayam. They came to the Yam. Ve'hir'am ha'kadosh baruchu, and God showed them, He'ach hu'go'el et b'nehem. So the uh, Avot were actually, uh, were actually there. Now the Pasuk says, Ba'ka'yam v'ya'abirem. He split the sea. As we know, Ba'ka'yam. He split the sea v'ya'abirem and he... Cross them. And the water piled up like a wall. Remember the waters on the sides piled up. And when God crossed them into the Midbar, there was a cloud, the cloud of glory which traveled by day. And at night, it was a fire. And then God broke open rocks in the Midbar. What came out of the rocks? Water. And he 
gave us water like the fresh water that comes from the wellsprings that are underground, but that came out of a rock. But Yotzi Nozlim Misala, you brought us Nozlim, Nozlim is a flow of water uh, from a rock. And the waters became flowing like a river. Now the rabbis tell us something incredible over here. How did, this I always wanted to understand. You had a rock. So the rock produced water. Now you have three million people. So what is it, a water fountain? It's a water cooler? There'll be a line over there from here to tomorrow to get water. How does everybody access the water from the rock? So the Rashi brings down another incredible idea that we never thought or heard of, that each tribe had a stick. And they went from the uh, rock and they made a furrow from the rock all the way leading to their tribe. So you had 12 rivers actually coming from the so therefore, you didn't have to go anywhere. You just stayed home and the water would come to your uh, like tributaries that were coming from the... Again, not me. Look, look at Rashi. It's all Rashi here today. Rashi says, Shehayu nozlim... Shehayu nozlim in a be'er v'hannesi'im hayu osim sirtut b'mish'anotam. Now, Rashi says even better. They didn't have to make a furrow. Just a mark, a line. And the miracle was that from that, the water followed that line all the way down to the tribes. The waters were drawn after it. Tribe by tribe. Like it says in the Pasuk. Fine. <coughs> now the Pasuk says, so look at this, all these miracles that Hashem did. The, the way the trap is going to work is, Hashem did all these miracles. Then what did we do? We complained. Ah, we made sins. Ah, it's, a, it's a cycle. And then Hashem forgave us. And then what happened? We got comfortable again. And we made sins again. It's a, a vicious cycle, as they call it. So the Pasuk says, And they continued to sin against them. Lamrot, Lamrot means to rebel. Elyon, Batsiyah. They rebelled against God in the Tziyah, in the, in the desert. And what was the sin that they committed over here? Something that Jews always complain about. Food. They weren't happy with the menu. What's the matter? By the bear Belohim, they spoke to God. Amru, Hayuchal El Midbar. Could God set a table for us in the Midbar? Women could set a table. They were saying, Yeah, we get the man. But the man fell on the ground. We want to eat meat. Like human beings eat meat on a table. You can't have meat on the floor. Therefore, could God set us a table? They complained, we want meat. That's, so as if they're questioning, could God do? Of course God can. Because God can bring down the man. He can't bring them uh, meat. So the Pasuk says, rhetorically, He says, God showed them that they could hit a rock and water will come. And rivers flowed. Sorry, Hagam tet. But B'nai said didn't, 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 didn't think that God could give them, give them bread. Bread means over here, meat. Im yachin she'el la'amof, God could prepare meat for his nation. So they, they, they questioned it. Now this was obviously, they were very, very spoiled over here. But Olam gave them everything they needed. And, and it was all in the man. They didn't need anything. So the pasuk says, Lachin shama Hashem, Hashem heard your complaints. Vayit'abbar. As a vayit'abbar, he got angry. And what happened? Ve'esh and a, uh, a fire burnt in Yaakov. Ve'gam and anger rose in uh, Israel. God brought down a plague. Why? They didn't believe God. They didn't trust His salvation. But anyway, God answered them. By Sab God commanded the heavens from above. He opened the gates of heaven. And what came down? Meat. Well, first the man came down. The man rained every day like, like rain. This is referring not to the meat. This is referring to the man first. Oh, here we need to stop for a second. 
The man is called the bread of abirim. So that she says, Lahmam shil malachim. It's the food that the angels eat. Angel food, angel bread. But then she brings a different interpretation. Lechem abirim. Which, which word does abirim sound like? It sounds like the word evarim. What's evarim? Limbs. The Gemara says that one of the features of the man that was lechem that got absorbed in all of the 248 limbs. That means there was no waste. Lechem shinivla beramach evarim shel adam. That means, I think I said it the other night, <coughs> we had an event for the Asher Yatsar uh, blessing. And I explained to them that we've been making this beracha for thousands of years, and there was only one generation that did not make the beracha of Asher Yatsar, and that was the generation of the Midbar. Because of this pasuk, there was no waste. All the food went into their bodies and absorbed it. Uh, today, we're not on that level. Uh, the Gemara says that the man, the Torah calls it, mechuspas. That's the word that the Torah refers to the man. Dak mechuspas. Mechuspas means like it was uh, like a glass, like a shiny, nice uh, piece of bread that fell. And the Gemara says, if you take the word mechuspas, mechuspas is the same numerical value as 248. They come and teach us that the uh, man was absorbed in the 248 limbs. It had the nature of mechuspas. There was no, there was no uh, need to expel any bad parts of the man. And that's why we once explained that in the Berachah Asheri Yatsar, what's the purpose? The purpose is that the body separates the good part of the food that goes into the bones, and the rest gets expelled. And that's why we say, Asheri Yatsar et Adam bechokmah, Ubarabo, nekabim, nekabim, halulim, halulim. Halulim, halulim means God created uh, holes or orifices in the body, uh, the, the nostrils, the ears, the eyes, these are uh, the lungs, etc., and then the, the areas of the body where we expel things. But if you take the words halulim, halulim, why is it written twice? The rabbis of the Kabbalah say, if you take the numerical value of halulim, halulim, it equals 248, which is corresponding to the, uh, the food that remains in the body after whatever is expelled is like the man. It means it gets halulim, halulim, gets absorbed into the 248 limbs. So, Bori Olam says, I sent man that came down from heaven. God says, I sent the winds. The winds came from the east. And it was a strong wind, Teman blew south. And as a result, it started to blow the birds. These are the Slav. There were certain, uh, I think they called them quail. That, how did Borei Olam bring the, the, the quail, which is the meat? He brought a wind. And all of a sudden, they blew the birds. And now all of a sudden, there were was, 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 was so many of them. The Torah said it was coming out of their nose. It's like afar. Afar is like, they were as plentiful as the dust. Like the, like the sand on the beach. Of kanaf. Of kanaf. The birds. You asked? Well, it's okay. Now you asked? You, you, you're going to wish you never asked. There's going to be so many of it. And the Pasuk says, The Slav came into the, into the camp. And the Pasuk says, They ate it. And they were, they were full. But their desire did not satiate. This was a to show you how much they were drawn after the desire. Normally if the person eats, the desire breaks. Over here the Pasuk says, they ate, they had a desire. They were not able to get rid of these desires. The food was still in their, between their teeth. What did God do? The anger of God came on them, and he killed the strong ones. And he chose, the, um, and he weighed which of the Jewish people he's going to kill. That means they forgot God. And he think that's not enough. They did more sins. 
This is a review of the whole Midbar. Uh, what sin is this referring to? The sin of the spies. And as a result, shortened their life. They were supposed to live all the way into Eretz Israel. Instead, they didn't make it until the age of uh, 60. Everyone between the ages of 20 and 60 perished in the Midbar. And therefore, they died uh, from the air in the Midbar. Their, their years were, were, uh, were chaotic. When they saw that God was punishing every generation, what did they do? They made Teshuvah. And they came back to They came to seek God again. They made Teshuvah. They remembered that God created them. And God is their Redeemer. However, this is a very important Pasuk now. The Pasuk says, yeah, they said, we made a sin. We feel bad. We are regretful. But it was just lip service. They didn't mean it. They spoke one word, but in their hearts, they had different intent. Listen to the Pasuk. Vaifatu bifihem. Which means, Vaifatu bifihem. They spoke a nice talk in their mouth. However, vilibam ubilshonam yichazevulo. But really, it was it was shaken. It was it was a lie. Vilibam do nachon imo. Their heart was not into their teshuvah, into their prayers. Velo neemnu bebrito. They did not uh, have true emunah. And then the next pasuk says, Lehu rachom yechaper avon velo yashchid permal ashibapom velo yair kolamato. But nonetheless, God should have mercy on the people, and God will not have anger on us and God will forgive. Now from here, we need to pause for a minute to bring your attention to what the Gemara says on these two pesukim. This is a, a pause bar. The Gemara is in uh, Ta'anit. The Gemara says as following. The question over here is, This is talking about people that are praying, but they're not having kavanah. So the Gemara says that even if a person does not have kavanah, his tefillah will be answered. Even though he doesn't mean it, even though he just says words, his tefillah will be answered. How do you know? Because look at the next pasuk. Even though they didn't have kavanah, the pasuk says, God forgave them. So therefore you see that even though they fatu, and even though they chazebu, the tefillah was ingenuous, disingenuine. But what does the pasuk say? They came to me, they prayed. We forgive them. This is a big bichadush of the Gemara. So the she'ilah over here is, but the Gemara says it's only when it's in the sibur. It's only when it's done with a minyan. That when you pray with a minyan, even though the minyan is not having proper kabbalah, the fact that the minyan got together, Bari Ulam forgives them. And they learn it from this pasuk. Because the pasuk is written in the plural. Vaifatuhu bifihem. Vaifatuhu, it's plural. Ubilshonam yichazevu, that's plural. Vilibam, their hearts, lo nachor imur. Their hearts are not with them. They're not trusting. Doesn't matter. This Gemara I knew. And that always comforted me that, okay, because a lot of times we don't have Kabbana. We come to Shul and we pray. Our minds get uh, lost. But I said, oh, we have a Pesuk over here that says, it's okay. As long as you're praying with a Minyan, Bari Olam brings the Tifilot up and you're okay. Today, however, I wasn't so lucky. I found this. There's a sefer called Sha'are uh, Ora. I have a copy of it in Brooklyn. There was a great Kabbalist that lived about 750 years ago. His name was Rav Yosef Giktilya. And he quotes this Kabbalah on page 8. But then he says, 
But it only applies in Eres Yisrael. Yeah, that's why, that's why I felt also. It's exactly my reaction also. What do you mean only applies to Eretz Yisrael? He says because in Eretz Yisrael it's a local it's a local call, so therefore the tefillot can go right up before the uh, uh, the prosecutors can latch onto it. But for a prayer to go from Deal, New Jersey, or New York all the way to Jerusalem and then up, by the time it gets there, if there's no kavanah, it's going to get sabotaged. So it's only talking about the local call, not the long-distance call. Wow, that's a big edouche. If a person prays outside of Eretz Israel and his prayers are not, and he doesn't have kavanah, now to me, to me, now I know, now, now it answers a question to me. There's a fellow that always tells me, when I used to tell him I'm going to Jerusalem. So when are you going to Jerusalem? As I'm going to pray by the Kotel. And he would always tell me, Hashem is everywhere. Hashem is everywhere. And I didn't have to answer him. Hashem, Hashem is not in New York. You can't come to Lawrence Avenue Synagogue. Where the, the Shekhinah is not here. What do you have to go to the court there for? Where the, the, you, you think God only is in, in one place? <clears throat> I didn't have an answer. But now I have an answer. I said, yeah, because if I go to the court and pray with a minyan, even if I don't have the best kavanah, my prayers will be. So you do have an advantage to go to any Israel and pray. There is an advantage. So you shouldn't just say, well, I'll stay home. I'll pray in Shul. I'll pray in Brooklyn. No, Brooklyn, you got to pay for it. You have to have kavanah, and it has to be done the right way. I'm not saying we can't do that, but it's much, uh, I'm saying easy. I'm not, I'm not saying we should be lazy either. Of course we should try to pray with kavanah. But at least in Eretz Yisrael, our prayers are not scrutinized with the same level of uh, measure as it is in Chutzahariz. That's what Rabbi Yosef Giktel said. So I saw brought down from a sefer called Shut Amude Or, and he proves it, from a pasuk in last week's parasha. In last week's parasha it says that God is going to scatter the people around the world in all different places. And then the pasuk says, And you're going to cry out to God from those different locations. And you'll find Him, He'll answer you. When you seek Him, with all your heart and soul, says the Rav. Yes, because in Galut, when you seek God, it has to be with all your heart and soul for it to be answered. But if you were in Eretz Yisrael, even if you seek Him out in prayer without your heart and without your soul, you'll still be answered. Which means a heartfelt prayer is only needed in Chutz La'aris. That's what the Pesukah says, Bekashtem Misham, when you're over there in uh, exile, then you're going to have to seek out God, Bechol Nafshecha, Bechol Levavicha, Bechol Nafshecha. But in Eretz Israel, even if you're lacking that, it will be, you'll be answered nonetheless. Now, regarding the next Pesuk, Behurachum Yechaper Avon. This is a very, very important Pesuk. If you count how many words are in this Pesuk, I counted before I came, and I got 13. Am I right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, Now, what's the secret of these thirteen? So I'm explaining to you. I don't know if anybody over here of our members ever received lashes from Bedin. Assuming no. Assuming no. In the olden days it was common. If a person transgressed a sin, Two witnesses would come to the Beit Din, and Beit Din would verify the witnesses. And they say, okay, you have Malkut. Now, what's Malkut? They take a whip, and they tell the person to bend over, and they give whip to, to hurt him. Now, trust me, once a person gets whipped once, he's not making a sin that fast again. He'll think three times before he makes it, because it hurts, it's a deterrent. Now, how many lashes do they give a person? 39. 39. That's the maximum. Now, of course, there's a doctor present, and the doctor uh, assesses after every makkah if he can handle another one. And if he cannot handle, they don't want to kill the guy, but they bring him to the brink of uh, pain. And the doctor says, okay, that's it, enough. But if he can get the 39, they give him more 39. And as they're 
giving him the lashes, the one that's hitting him, he's, he bends over and he has to say, as they're beating him up. And the, the Gemara says, they hit him one on the right side of the, of the, of the, um, of the shoulder, of the back, then on the left side, then in the middle. And as they're hitting him, they say, They repeat the pasuk three times. Three times 13 is 39. And basically they say, This, this malkut, should be should not eliminate you in other ways. should not destroy you. God's anger should not be poured over you. This plagues, this makot, I should say, should be sufficient. Now, uh, we have a custom, it's based on Shohan Aruch, that the men accept lashes upon themselves, Erev Kippur. The custom is when the men come out of the mikveh on Erev Kippur. So, we go to one of our uh, colleagues or friends, and we give him a belt. A belt, whatever it is, and he's not going to hurt us, hopefully, but we remember the old custom, and we bend over, and not, uh, not to hurt us, not to hurt us, but to, to feel the sting of the, of the belt before Kippur, and as they're doing it, they say, So we still have this custom, and Maram brings it down in Shohan Aruch, that's a custom, fine. Now, we say this pasuk as well every night. Ladies, I know you don't pray Arbit, all of you, but if you look at the Sidur, you will see that the introduction to Tepilat Arbit is Now what is this doing in Arbit? So, the rabbis come along and teach us a big Hattush The day represents mercy. The sun comes out, it's mercy. The night represents judgments. Therefore, at night we have to be uh, protected from the judgments of God. The fact that it's dark indicates that there's judgments out. And we know that the mercy uh, is activated through the 13 attributes of mercy. Hashem, Hashem, Kel, Rahom, Vahanun, Erech, Apayim, etc. But at night, we cannot say the 13 attributes of mercy because it's not a time of mercy. So we have to figure out a way to ask God for mercy, but we can't actually ask it explicitly. So the Zohar Kadosh says, we say in Arbit, which is 13 words, which correspond in an allusion to the 13 Midot of Rahamim. So therefore the 13 Midot of Rahamim are said in Arbit, but they're not said explicitly. They're said in allusion form. And what is it? God is merciful. He should atone our sins. He should not destroy. And he should have a lot of patience from angering, getting angry. He should not pour all his anger upon us. Thirteen words represent the thirteen midot of Rahamim. And it says as well <coughs> that when we say this chapter, we are inviting the four angels of mercy in order to bring mercy on us and in the Shemot that are in Gehinnam. In my Sidur it says, You should give kapara to us. It says next to it, Michael. Through the angel of Michael. And you should not destroy. It says over here, Gabriel. And then, You should have patience on us through the angel called Uriel. You should not pour all your anger on us. So, it's a very important piece. We're summoning the four angels of mercy and asking them to protect us and to protect the Nishamot in Gehinam even, that they shouldn't get such a big, big judgment. Now, there's another time during the day that we summon the four angels of mercy. First, Arbit. That's why, even if you don't pray Arbit, this is a good thing to say after nightfall. The angels of mercy should protect us and our families. Amen. But there's another time where we bring the angel Gabriel, Michael, Raphael, and Uriel. And what is that? When the men sit down in the morning 
or in the evening, and they study the Talmud. When you study the Talmud, it arouses the four angels. How do I know? The Zohar Kedosh says, what's another name for Talmud? Gemara. You ever hear people say, I'm studying Gemara, Gemara? Gemara is Rashi Tevot. Gabriel, Michael, Raphael, Uriel. That at the time that we study the Talmud and the Gemara, it brings the Malachim in order to protect us from, from trouble. So there's different ways to arouse mercy. One way to arouse mercy is to say the 13 Midot Hamim, but that we only do during the day. At night, the way we arouse mercy is by saying, Every community starts Arbit with That's the way we started. And then, during the course of the day, we're able to arouse mercy at any time through the study of the Talmud, through the study of the Gemara. Now the Pasuk comes along and says, they made Teshuvah, but it was a fake Teshuvah. And then God said, ah, I have to have mercy on them. They're only flesh and blood. They have a spirit that's going to go. Velo Yeshuv is not going to come back. What does it mean a spirit is going to go and not going to come back? Rashi says that's not true. When the spirit leaves us, it comes back. So it means that the Yetzirah will not come back. The Rashi brings down that although we have a spirit of evil in us, that's only temporary. At the time of the resurrection, we're going to come back as is, but we're going to be missing one element. And that is what? The evil inclination. There's not going to be any inclination to do evil at the time. So God says, okay, let me have mercy on them. Because there is a, they have an alibi. They're getting influenced by the Yetzirah. And there'll come a time when the Yetzirah is not going to be with them anymore. So therefore God says, I will have mercy. Then the, the Pasuk says, how much did they rebel against God in the Midbar? How much did they rebel? They Upset Hashem in Yeshimon, that's the valley. By Yeshuvu, by Nasuel, and they went again and they challenged God. Ugdosh Yisrael hitvu, and they uh, they asked God for different signs. They said, "Is God amongst us or not?" And they complained to see if God's going to react. And now the pasuk says they forgot. Lo zachru et yado. They forgot what God did to them with his hand. Yom Ashin Padam Minisar, the day he redeemed us from the enemy in Egypt. Now here the Pasuk is gonna go to the ten plagues. Ashir Sam Mitzraim Ototav. Buriolam brought his otot, that's the the plagues. Umofetav and the miracles bestes so on. Now one at a time. Now pay attention, ladies. I know you know the ten plagues. They're not in order. That's for a separate class. We gave two hours explaining why David over here decided to give us the 10 plagues, but to just write it in a random order. I know it's gonna sound uh, uh, piecemeal, but it's not. There's a, there's a science to exactly why David is writing it in this order. But let's read what he says. First thing he did, he turned their rivers into blood. Oh, that's an order, that's dam. And they couldn't drink their drinks. <coughs> what does that mean? There was two miracles that happened. Number one, all the rivers turned into blood, as we know. That's the pasuk. <laughs> but even when they would take water from the Jews without paying, without paying, with water, they would go to the Jew, please, all our, all, our, all our water is blood. Could you give us? Come. He gives them, pours them a glass of water. It's in the Jew's hand, it's water. The second he gives it to the Egyptian, it turns to, to blood. And that's what it says. The nozlehem, their nozlim, their liquids, they couldn't drink them. So what did they do? So it says they had to pay. Once they paid, then it turned back into, but the Gemara says even a bigger hadush. So the Egyptians don't want to pay. So they come along and they say to the Jew, bring two straws. We'll drink together. If you're drinking from the same cup together and the Jews drinking, it's water. So it says, no, what came in their straw was blood and what came in the Jewish straw was water. And that's what it says, Venos lehem. Their straw, which was what they were drawing, was undrinkable until they paid for it. So the Jews were ahead of their time. They were selling water already uh, 
before Poland Springs and before uh, all these companies, the Jews already knew that there's going to come a time that we're going to have to sell water. <coughs> now, what's the next plague? Right, there's frogs. But the David Amelik, for some reason, doesn't talk about the frogs. He jumps to Arov. Yishalach Baim Arov. Arov is the wild, wild animals. Vayochlem. Usfardeya. And then he goes to Sefardeya. He went backwards. Vaytashchitem. Okay. Vayitem lehasil yivulam. Hasil is locust. They jumped to locust. And the locust came and ate all their crop. Vigiam and all their toil laarbe. That's the locust. Yaharog babarad gafnam. The barad came, the hailstones came and uh, destroyed all of their trees. The shikmotam, shikmotam is a, tri- a type of a fig tree. Bahanamal. Now, over here, hanamal, we have a big mahlokin. Rashi says hanamal is a type of grasshopper. But the rabbis question, we mentioned grasshoppers in the last pasuk, we're in barad now. So some say hanamal is a type of uh, hailstone, it's the name of a hailstone. And the Barad went into the cities, and as a result, it caused the, um, the Shafim is fire. Because in the hailstones, there was fire. So as the hailstone hit, it cracked open, and the fire burnt them. That's called Dar Shafim. Now, listen to this Pasuk over here. This Pasuk actually is in Megillat, uh, I'm sorry, Haggadah Pesach. Yishalach Bam, God sent. Haron Apo, his anger on the Egyptians. Evra, Vezaham, Vesara, Mishlachat, Malachiraim. These are all different types of plagues that God sent with each plague. I'll say again. With each plague came a measure of Evra, Zaham, Sara, Mishlachat, Malachiraim. These are all, uh, 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 there was the main plague. And then with it, there was other troubles that joined the plague. And they were called this. Now, Rabbi Akiva says, I'm going to review that Gadash Pesa with you now. Rabbi Akiva says, how many plagues were in Egypt? He says that there was ten. But with each plague, there was five. Why? Because he counts it like this. Haron Apo, one. Haron Apo, Achat, Evra, Achat, Evra, Shetayim, Vezaham, Shalosh, Vetzara, Arbam, Shama, Lechiraim, Hamesh. So he learns that every Makkah actually was made up of five Makkot. Minayin, Shekol, Makkah, Umakkah, Shelaku, Amitzim, Misraim, Hayeta, Shelhamisha Makkot. Shelemar, Yeshalach, Bam, and Vidis Basuk over here. So I saw the Benish Hai. And the Benish Hai says, why, why is it that Borei Olam made each plague times five? That it had five elements to it. So the Churi says, he says something amazing. The Pasuk says in Shemot, that when God brought the plagues, he remembered the fathers, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. So he says, very good. Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, that's three. But we need five. Now we got a problem because we only have three avot. Now can we turn three avot into five avot? Well, you'll see, with magic you do anything. Yaakov Abinu Shalom had two names. It's Yaakov and Israel. Very good. What you didn't know is he had three names. Anybody know the third name of Yaakov? We say it in the prayer every morning. Karata Shemo Yisrael Vishurun. Yeshurun is also the name of Yaakov. So there's actually five names of the Avot. I repeat. Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Yisrael, Yeshurun. What do they all have in common except for Abraham? Very good. They also Uriyud. Yitzhak, Yaakov, Israel, Yishurun. Now, wouldn't it be nice if Abraham also started with the Yud? But then he wouldn't be Abraham. He would be Abraham. We need him to be Abraham. But let me tell you what the Zohar says about the letter Aleph. <coughs> the letter Aleph is made up of three letters. 
Not the Aleph that you learned in school, the script Aleph. Not the script Aleph. The, on the right, in the uh, upper right corner, right, look in the book exactly. In the upper right corner, there's a Yud. It's a Yud. And then the spine of the Aleph, which is slanted, is a Vav. And then the lower left corner is a Dalit. So it's Yud, Vav, Dalit. What does Yud, Vav, Dalit spell? Yud. So an Aleph is actually also connected to the letter Yud. Because it's Yud, Vav, Dalit. It's a secret. The Aleph is connected to the Yud also. Trust me. What I'm telling you. This is what I'm saying. So therefore, the five names of the Avot are actually five Yuds. How much is five times Yud? Fifty. And that's what it means that Akiva went out of his way to say that it wasn't ten plagues. Each plague was made from five, based on this Pasuk. And about ten times five is fifty, corresponding the Avot, that there's five names of the Avot, and each name starts with the Yud, and if we can make it the five Yudin of the Avot, we have five. Now if you can remember that for Pesach, you can say something that your husband's never heard at the Seder. That'll be something, uh, <coughs> something special. Now, let's continue for a second. Next pasuk is also important. One of the most important ones. Okay, that's Makat David, the plague of pestilence. Now, look at the Pasuk 51. What does that mean? Makat Bechorot. He killed all the firstborns in Egypt. Reshit Onim, the first seed, Ba'oleham. What do you mean? What does the first seed mean? I guess the firstborn, so first seed. First of conception. But it said that already. What's the repetition? And who did he kill? The first seed of conception. But that's the same thing. So the Fida over here has a big hadush. Okay, let's review. Anybody ever go to a pigeon? Okay, good. I was at a pigeon also. Is that my own pigeon? I don't remember it, but they say I was there and it was it went well. <clears throat> but the point is, the point is, why do why do firstborns? You were there, okay, very good. So, see that I, I have an eyewitness that that, that was present. Eyewitness, I know I wouldn't know. The rabbi lied to you. So now, the question is, why do the boys need a pigeon? What was the reason we need a pigeon for? Oh, but why, 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 why? So the reason why we have Pidyon, we need to be redeemed. Because God saved us in Egypt. When God came down that night, all the firstborns. So therefore, we were firstborns. The firstborns of the Jews also should have been, uh, but Borealam separated the firstborns of the Jews to the firstborns of the Egyptians. And therefore, in the Zichut that God redeemed us, so therefore we need to make what's called Pidyon, to remember that, uh, uh, that we got uh, salvation. Gemara actually calls Pidyon Yeshua Haben, the salvation of the Son. Fine. So the question of the Hidar, of Hidar is, so why don't ladies need the Pidyon? Let's say if a couple has a baby girl first. Baby girls, oh, no Pidyon. Well, why no Pidyon? Oh, so the question then comes actually, were the ladies in danger in Egypt? Did the ladies' firstborns die or not? So Rafidah learns from this Pasuk that only the Egyptian female firstborns died, but everybody else, all other countries or denominations that were in Egypt, their girls did not die, including ours. We were like guests. The only girls that died on the night of Makat Bechorot were the host nation, which was the Egyptians. But all other girls actually were, were saved. And how does he learn that from the Pasuk? I read, Vayach kol bechor Kol bechor, bechor is masculine, which means b'mitzrayim, 
all the nations that were in Mitzrayim, they only got smitten by the firstborn males. However, the Shit Onim Ham in the tents of Ham, which is the tents of the Egyptians, it wasn't only the Bechor, it was the first to be conceived. And the first to be conceived is even the even the girls. So therefore the Pasuk is telling us two things over here. First part of the Pasuk is saying, regarding everybody else that was visiting in Egypt, called Bechor, not only the males. And regarding the Egyptians, even the Nekevot died. And that's why he says, since in throughout the land of Egypt, the females did not die on that night, therefore they do not need Only the males, because the males, there was no exception. Everybody throughout Egypt, even the guests, which we were a guest also, even the guests that were in Egypt, all their male borns died. And we were a guest too. Our males should have died. They didn't. But when it comes to the girls, the guests that were in Egypt, their females did not die. We were a guest too. And therefore, since the females did not die throughout the guests of Egypt, so therefore, there's no need for them to make a pidyon. They were, they, were, they, were they were never in danger. They were never in danger to start off with. That was not part of the decree. That explains also why the ladies are not obligated to uh, fast on Erev Pesach. Some of the ladies don't even know. But on Erev Pesach, I fast every year. I don't want to fast because I go to shul and we have magic cake. There's no magic cake. What does it mean? We hear a, a siyum, and once we hear the siyum, so the rabbis will lean you and say, okay, go to a siyum and you can break your fast. But the ladies are not obligated to fast, even though they're firstborns. Why? We're saying over here. They were not in danger. The gezera was not on them to start off with. And now the pasuk says, Vayasa kason ammo. God uh, traveled with the Jewish people like sheep in the desert. Like a flock. They weren't afraid. And there was enemies all on the side of them. They got to the border of Israel. That's Harsina. That's Aramoriah. The Jewish people were able to chase away the Goim, the seven nations in Israel. That's in times of Yeshua. And they did a lottery and they divided the land up. And God rested in their tents. Shifte Israel. By Nasu, but then what happened? Even when they got to Israel, by Nasu, by Yamru, and Tedohim, and they went and they started to test God again. Unbelievable. They rebelled like their fathers. This is a good word I want to teach you. They rebelled against God like a Keshet Rimiya. What is Keshet? Very good. And what is Rimiya? Rimiya is tricky, a trick arrow. Normally, when you hold the arrow, bow and arrow, you hold it like this, and you release, it'll go straight. But if the arrow or the bow is crooked, even though you shoot it straight, what happens? It rears off to the side. God says, even though I put you on a straight path, you were like a keshet rimiyah. You were like a bow that's crooked. And if whatever you shoot from it goes to the side. That means we veered off the, the straight path. And then the Pasuk says, We made sins with Avodah Zarah. We got hurt what we did. He despised us. And as a result, Mishkan Shiloh was taken into captivity. You remember the story over there? The Pinnish team came, they took the Mishkan, and they said it was the destruction of Mishkan Shiloh. Oil shiken ba'adam. The oil, the, the tent that was established by, 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 by man. The ark and the tablets were taken into captivity. And the sword of the Pedestim came into our people. The Pasuk says, the young men died in the war by fire, I mean by sword. Now this is a strong pasuk. This is very sad. The betulot were not able to rejoice. What does it mean? The virgins were not able to rejoice. 
Many of those people that died in the war of Pinishtim, when they took Mishkan Shiloh, were engaged. And then they didn't come back from war. So their wives, or their, I guess what do you call them, fiancés, they were waiting for them to come back, but it says, Uptulotav lohulalu. The Petulot were not able to make a, a party because their husbands, their fiancés did not come back from war. Kohanat b'cherev nafalu. And in that war of the Pashtim, even the Kohanim died. Three Kohanim. Eli, the Kohen Gadol, and his two sons, Hofni and Pinehas. Ve'almenotav lo tifkena. And it happened in such a way that their widows were not even able to cry for them. Why not? So the story is told about the wife of Pinehas. He was one of the Kohanim. She was expecting. And when she was... Uh, but when the news came, they came and they said, the Jewish people lost the war. And then she started to get labor pains. She went into labor, early labor. And then they told her that, and uh, the, your father-in-law, Eli, died. This is a, a, a double tragedy. And then they told her, and the Aron of Hashem was taken into captivity. And now she started to cry, and she started to go into heavy labor. And then, as she's giving birth, they told her, and your husband died as well. But she, why, why couldn't they wait? <laughs> but that's what they told her. Because maybe, maybe they thought she wasn't gonna live, so they wanted to tell her. But the point is, she didn't even live. She died right away. So it says, <laughs> The almanot didn't even have time to cry. Because they themselves went through uh, what they went through. So that was a sad time. And this is referring to that we're in Israel already. God woke up, which means he remembered the people again. Like a strong person that rejoices from his wine. That means when God, when the Jewish people are making sins, God is like sleeping. He doesn't protect the people. But then they made the He woke up. And he started to attack the people, the enemies. And what does it mean, Ahor? Forgive me, ladies. It was called Makat Ahor. A Makat from the back. But what does it mean? The Pelishtim suffered a terrible sickness. They had hemorrhoids, they call it. Makat Ahor. The Makat that gets them from the, from the back. And therefore, they went to tremendous pain. And they realize that something's going wrong over here with them. All of them are getting it. It's not contagious, I don't think. And therefore, they, they gave back the Aron. They said, okay, Hashem's punishing us. They got a plague. And therefore, they gave back the Aron. Harpat Olam. Harpat Olam. It was a harpa. Harpa means it was an abomination. It was a shameful uh, sickness. Vayim Aspeol Yosef. So therefore, Bore Olam despised Oil Yosef. He did not rebuild Shiloh. Shiloh would remain unbuilt, and now we move to Jerusalem. Shevet Yehuda is what? Jerusalem. And what did he do in Shevet Yehuda? Even Kemor Amim Mekdash, he built a big building to the sky, well established, and who became the king? David Abdo. So we went from Yeshua to Shemuel, now we're at David. God took him from the, uh, the pens of the sheep. I will conclude with this. What does it mean he took him from the pens of the sheep? <clears throat> and the Gemara tells a story that David Amelech was taking the sheep once into the fields. And he noticed that there's three types of uh, grass. There's the soft grass. And then there's the more tough grass and there's the roots. So he said, there's certain sheep that don't have teeth yet. Those sheep can only eat the soft grass. If I'm going to let all the sheep go in at the same time, the big sheep are going to eat the soft grass, and the small sheep are going to have nothing to eat. So what did he do? He picked only the small sheep to go first. So they went to eat all the soft. Then he put them in a different pen. Then he brought the middle-aged sheep, and they were able to eat the harder. And then he brought the old men, the old sheep, that had good teeth, and they were able to eat the roots. So you see, David was worried about each one of his sheep. So David, when he, God saw this from heaven, God said, if he's so worried about the sheep, all the more so he'll be worried about every single 
every single Jew. And you see, that's a great leader. A great leader doesn't just lead in generalities. That's a sign of a great teacher. That's a sign of a great leader that he worries about every single individual. David didn't say, well, listen, they're sheep, and they're not going to kill each other, they're going to fight, they have to worry about it. No, David, this, this sheep needs soft uh, 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 wheat, this one needs a little harder, this one can eat this, and therefore when David showed his uh, strength, how he can take care of the sheep, God says, he can take care of my sheep also. And who's God's sheep? Ben Yisrael. Les pasuk, Bayir'em ketom levavo, ubitponot kapa benchem. David Amelech guided the people with a good heart, and with his, the wisdom of his hand, he led them. Now, of course, there's no wisdom in the hand. But what it means to say, just like he led the sheep with his hand. When you have a stick in your hand, you bang the sheep, you go this way. So he led B'nai Israel like he led his sheep. So this is uh, uh, really a story from the beginning of uh, Yitzhak Mitzrayim all the way to David HaMelech. Uh, 72 Pesukim, which is a good sign. 72 is Gematria Chesed, which is mercy. Bezat Hashem and the Zikut that we recalled all these merciful things that God did for us. We'll do the same thing. Yasin Isim, Kemosha Asaba Yemim Ahem, Yasin Anu, Vazeman Azeh, Amen, Amen.